Some advice on how to negotiate with vendors in your managed services practice. This topic on today's MSP Zone. You are entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. More and more MSPs are in the middle of negotiations with their vendors, both new and existing. And we're seeing some interesting trends out there about uh, what the MSPs are going through and lessons learned. And for those of you who may be new to the managed services profession, maybe you are also in the middle of negotiations with some of your vendors and you could benefit from some advice, uh, some shared wisdom from your colleagues out there around the world. You've come to the right place on today's MSP Zone because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. And we have our old friend Rob Scott uh, back on the program. Rob, you there? I'm here, Charles. Good to be with you. It is good. So good to have you on the program again and hear your voice. Um, how are things in uh, in Texas? Texas is open for business, baby. Um, things are feeling a lot more like pre-COVID, you know, the good and the bad, including lots of traffic jams. <laughs> Hard to get a reservation at a good restaurant because they're all full. Um, you go uh, to try to get some new clothes. The tailor in the in the clothing store tells you we're backed up for a, a month. So um, maybe some supply issues in Texas, but we're definitely open for business. Well, good good to hear. Um... And, and it's good for the MSPs as well, because that means more business, more managed services demand. So let, let's dive right into today's topic. Um, I, I know you work a lot with MSPs on contract review uh, when it comes to working with some of their vendors, a lot of them, some of the bigger ones that people would know. But um, we, we seem to be having a, a you know, maybe a trend. I think it's a trend when you hear definitely a group of MSPs from different areas all saying the same thing or relatively similar things, which are there, there's, there's a pricing and a competition and a, 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 a movement of, let's say the big four MSP platform companies are moving in a consistent area. And, and I would characterize it as they're, they're having kind of a, a war, right? The four of those companies are in a race to beat each other out of the market or, or to gain market share at the expense of those other competitors. And then you've got everybody else in the vendor space, vendor meaning vendors who sell to the MSPs, and I think that they could be unwitting beneficiaries of this MSP platform war because they could actually come out looking better than the the big four companies on a, on a number of fronts. And that's where Rob, I want to get your your thought on the first t- topic, which is you have long advocated for an equal distribution of risk amongst vendor, MSP, and customer. Do you believe, I've asked you this question before, but I'm asking it again. Do you believe that the MSP has the capability to, if they wield it, negotiate a fair, equitable distribution of that risk 
with their vendors, hardware, software, services, vendors, doesn't matter. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. And if you can't, you should keep shopping. I mean, because, I mean, the, particularly for the MSP, you know, they're trying to make money. You know, undue risk is not going to help you make money. And, you know, the MSP, you know, needs to op- operate in what I refer to as the zero risk position, which is it only takes on contractually that risk, which it's already transferred to its insurance company. And, you know, using third-party tools and vendor-developed tools is creates complicated questions about liability and who's responsible. And all those things need to be carefully clarified in all the contracts. As we, okay, so if, if it's possible, and, and I agree with you, and I think that more than agreeing with you, I would encourage the MSPs out there to 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 listen to Rob's advice and and attempt to get a fair and equitable uh, set of terms with your vendors as much as possible. But where we see this becoming a challenge is when you you have these MSP platform companies, and you know everybody knows this. If it's not explicitly known, then then it's implicitly known. They're trying to grab market share and they're trying to consolidate a homogenous managed services practice. What I mean by that is they want their MSP partners to be using everything from their stack, right? They all have an RMM, they all have a ticketing, they all have a security, they all have a backup solution, they've all got password management, right? They all have the basic fundamentals of an MSP practice from a tool standpoint, and they want you buying everything from them. Most MSP, I don't know most, but a lot of MSPs don't do that. They they do a best of breed approach. And that is a challenge to their market share and to their bottom line and to their financial goals, especially those who are, are in the public market and have quarterly shareholder uh, pressures and obligations. Um, for, for everybody else, Rob, does that make how does that make a vendor who isn't publicly traded, who doesn't have a very big MSP portfolio business, how should they, if you were advising them today, how would you advise that vendor to approach the MSP market if they, from a risk standpoint? I think fundamentally, you have to be going to the market saying, I offer a solution that will work for you technically and will work for you from a business perspective. I'm gonna leave the technical part off because the MSP wouldn't be doing the deal if it wasn't technically the right, you know, the right solution. Right. So, you know, what I'm gonna to wanna to see from that vendor is that they're gonna take responsibility for the failures of their tools and the failures of their people. And if they won't do that, then there's nothing for me to do. Because I'm not going to go put in a customer environment a tool that the vendor's not going to stand behind. It's really that simple. So if I'm a if I'm a, a a tool for managed services, I want my value proposition to be clear. I want to make it to where it fits with the business so that you know it scales up and down, and it's easy for the MSP to manage multiple accounts. And it's something that they can make money with. And when it comes to the contract, uh, the MSP and the customer 
can be made whole for anything that is the fault of, and what I mean by fault of, I mean negligence, you know, product failure, or intentional or willful misconduct, that can't be disclaimed. And it has to, the rights have to follow all the way through to, to the end user. Whether that's through indemnity of the MSP or that's a, a, a direct end user license agreement. <clears throat> but the MSP has to understand not only the legal issues with it and the, with it and the vendor, but also the corresponding legal issues that arise by virtue of using that tool in a customer environment. Rob, do you believe that some vendors who are new to the MSP community, meaning they don't have a real um, mature MSP partner program, if they do have a channel program, it might be like a value-added reseller or or general reseller partner program, but but it's not specific uh, or contemplating you know MSPs as as part of that partner community. Do you think that there's a difference between the type of risk terms in those agreements with the partners if they're coming from a reseller standpoint versus a vendor who really understands the MSP market? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think there can be big differences. And the labels are less important than the substance. But the real issue is who is the customer of the vendor? If the MSP is the customer of the vendor, then the end user has no contractual relationship with the vendor. That's not reselling. No, it's not. Right? Reselling is I do it transaction where I sell you either a solution or a license and you agree to pay me and you sign up on the vendor's paper as an end user. That's reselling. Most MSPs don't resell. Most MSPs contract with vendors where they're the customer. And then the question is, how does the end user customer get covered if there's an issue with the vendor solution because they're the one that's most likely to be injured so the, the tricky part is to make sure that in that scenario where there's no end user license agreement that all of the legal issues get covered in the agreement between the msp and the customer and the MSP and the vendor's agreement makes it clear that the vendor is responsible to cover uh, claims by customers, end user customers, related to the solution or any failure to perform on the part of the vendor. So it's complicated when you don't want to resell. And what you want to do is bundle solutions, which to me, the clear trend in the market is a bundled solution set that's not completely transparent to the customer where, you know, the MSP signs the customer up for a generic set of services 
and has discretion to choose which tool sets uh, it wants to execute execute the services. Right, and and I think that that's been where the market's been heading for the last you know better part of twenty years. I mean, that's where MSPs have wanting have been wanting to shed their reseller skins. I, I guess I guess what I'm, I'm trying to get at is. Does the does the vendor uninitiated with MSP partner programs who may not even had to have had any risk terms embedded in their reseller partner agreements, they may be approaching this with, I'll, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, little or maybe no knowledge of the risk that's involved in the MSP with their customer and therefore they may not be accustomed to having these types of conversations. I, I don't know if that's a even happening in the market, but I I, I sense that it is because I think, it, I, I think there are certain tools that are viable tools that people are interested in that are being that have been developed by what I'll refer to as relatively unsophisticated businesses when it comes to issues like international privacy laws and things like that. And so we have found ourselves, you know, representing MSPs that want to do a vendor deal and they send us the paper and we wind up having to rewrite because it wasn't missing, in there. It's missing so many of the required elements. Right. And my clients have shared with me that the reason that, 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 that it's that way is that this is just not, you know, this is just not an area that, that that vendor has tons of experience with. So, so, so maybe that's the first call out, right? Uh, piece of advice when negotiating with vendors is figuring out whether you're dealing with an initiated or an uninitiated vendor. Meaning, are you dealing with an, a vendor that understands MSPs? Do they say that they uh, that they understand, but they don't really? I think the agreement that Rob is talking about, right, is going to tell you a lot about whether or not they really understand your business model and whether they respect the risk that you take on. That that seems okay. like Rob a very first Charlie, easy first. Here's the biggest tell: if you look at the license grant, and it says something like, "We're giving you a non-exclusive." Um, uh, license to use the, so the software, the solution solely for your internal business purposes. If you read that, then you know that you're in that uninitiated category. Okay, and can you explain why in that phrase that that screams to you? Internal, the key is internal business purposes. You know, MSPs don't deploy this software for their internal bu business purposes. They deploy it for their customer-facing uh, operations. This is service enablement. This is not uh, internal business purposes. But it's also not reselling either, right? So it's different than internal. It's not reselling. It's something else. Exactly. It needs to be very clear. Right. What is the license? What is it for? How do we count? How do we segregate customers? If one customer breaches the terms and conditions, does that mean you could turn all customers off? Or just that one. Um, so a number of things that are, that are unique to managed services. And in my experience, the vendor agreements 
don't cover the nuances necessary to give protection, adequate protection to the MSP and sometimes not, not adequate protection to the end user. Now, let, let's talk about the end user because obviously a, a, an astute um, uh, MSP is going to be not only looking out for their own risk and their own skin, but they're also going to be paying attention to the risk to their customers. What, in your opinion, Rob, would be some of those telltale signs of, of risk in that vendor agreement to the, so the managed service provider's customer? You're the vendor agreement says you're responsible for all use of the tool. You waive it, the right to bring any claims. You, you acknowledge that your customers have no uh, arranged relationship with us. Um, we limit our liability to you know a small amount of money based on what you, you pay us, regardless of whether we blew something up that we should stand, stand behind. So, you know, a lot of it is, is about if it comes across as very one-sided and if it doesn't cl clearly articulate a basis through which end users recover for legitimate claims, then you have a problem because no prudent MSP should put a customer into a technology platform form where the customer has no recourse because you know my msp clients we're telling the end user you know we deliver the services through a variety of third-party solutions and we're not responsible if a third-party par solution doesn't perform you know you get we're pa passing on what rights you would have if you dealt direct so it just just to pause there, Rob, the, the, under that scenario that you just mentioned, the the client rights that you would want to preserve uh, as the MSP would be, I use vendor brand X for my network monitoring management. Vendor brand tool gets hacked through no yep. fault of my own. I didn't do anything. It was their it was it, something happened on their end, whether it was their fault or not, but it it happened to them, and then my, if I'm the MSP in this scenario, my MSP customer is harmed, my agreement should say, you know it wasn't me. I know it wasn't you. It wasn't your fault, but it's not my fault. So my insurance isn't going to cover this. But this guy over here, Vendor X, he's, he's the one that you need to go after. That's what you're talking about that needs to be in that agreement. Correct. Some, there has to be a contractual path, either through an end-user license agreement wherein um, you know, the customer has direct rights, or through indemnity, where the MSP can secure the ability for that client in that situation to recover from the vendor mm -hmm. or its insurance company. So, I mean, Rob, we're seeing a lot of stuff. I, I mean, I the, the way I'm listening to you describe this, it's it's almost like this is this is an insult to the customer because it's really the vendor saying, uh, it, it, it's like remember the old Cisco contracts, right? Everybody who's been around this, the industry remembers, you know, kind of the nature of Cisco, which was, hey, 
you're the reseller or the MSP, we really own the customer, right? If you don't perform, we can move you, the reseller, out of the way and mm-hmm. we will take over or we can redesignate them to another another partner. And and those days, you know, were very scary for MSPs and and you know, a lot of people didn't like those days. To today, you're talking about a very different scenario from those kind of typical Cisco contracts which are uh yeah, we don't even want to know what the customer is. We don't care what the customer is doing, but guess what? We don't want any blowback. From, they're your customer. It's your problem. Even if it's our problem, it's your problem. Yes, I think you nailed it, Charles. It's a much different. It's a it's a much different approach to the channel. And I think if Cisco actually had this approach, it would have worked better. Wait, wait, go back. If Cisco had which approach, it would have gone the better. The approach you're talking about, where it's let the MSP own the customer relationship. I mean, there's no reason that the vendor should be owning the MSP's customer relationship. That's threatening the MSP. That's yeah, why I. That's why they were pissed about Cisco. Well, if if any of you are wondering what we're talking about, this, this I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was a. I know it was a case. I don't know how far it went. I thought it it went fully through through a decision and then maybe it got appealed. But it was, in I think, in and around San Francisco or definitely on the West Coast. It involved an MSP who had their their contract terminated with Cisco and a client. And Cisco basically re, re, took the customer and said, you, the MSP, aren't performing. And they gave the customer contract to another partner another MSP and the 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 original MSP sued and I, I should probably look up that case um, but yeah the, the, those were the days when you know it wasn't just Cisco but that was kind of like the standard you know par for the course behavior of vendor to the to the MSP and and I don't think anyone wants those days back but Rob you're you're saying hands off the MSP customer but not hands off the shared reasonable liability that you as a vendor have. So oh, basically own own your technology. Yeah, we, we uh, look, nobody's asking them to be the insurer of, of everything that can happen, right? But you do need to stand behind your own negligent acts, your own willful uh, misconduct. And failure of the system to comply to perform in accordance with the documentation you know when your network is the one that gets breached and requires MSPs to give notice to their customers that could give rise to a notice obligation under privacy and security laws it should be clear that the vendor has to pay for that if an MSP encounters this type of an agreement and they suspect, but maybe they don't know, maybe they see it and they say, okay, well, it, it says something that Rob said I shouldn't do. Um, what do they do? They just call you up and say, hey, Rob, can, can you and the team uh, give, give, give a quick read through on this? And, and I mean, do you do, you do that? Look, I, I, I want to preface this by saying, that with these contracts, like with every contract, 
you know, the party's willingness to negotiate on terms and conditions is multi-factor, but it, it generally involves leverage. And so I don't want to give the impression that every startup MSP has got enough bargaining leverage to start, you know, demanding that vendors rewrite their agreements. That being said, if you're an established MSP, then you're spending or contemplating spending any significant sums with a vendor. It does make sense to have an attorney that understands your business to review them and negotiate them for you in certain circumstances where, um, you know, privacy and security or other, you know, high stakes issues are at risk, are in play either significant income or significant risk to the, to the customer. Yeah. You know, Rob, I, I don't want to throw gasoline onto this fire, but it's, it's not like we don't have MSPs calling us up. A lot of them, mem- most of them members, and they're just saying, Hey, look, the, you should be aware of this behavior that we're seeing and it's, it's not good behavior. You know, what could we do? And I think that your point on leverage is an important one because most MSPs think and negotiate in a vacuum. And I'm wondering if it's just time and I'm wondering how to, to do this other than just to come out there and say it, which is the, the MSP, the vendors who sell to MSPs, want more MSPs. And if more MSPs stopped in the negotiation process and said, I'm not going to sign this, I wonder if it wouldn't have an immediate effect by having some of those contract templates start to change. And and maybe the first step is, Rob, getting someone like you involved and saying, okay, this, this, this has to go, right? Change this, and then you will have a good agreement that is fair to you, the MSP, and to your customer that you represent? Well, um, wishful thinking or <laughs> interesting concept, but you know, just to be clear, I would not be reviewing any vendor, any vendor contracts related to MSPs. Um, other than, you know, in, an, in a, spe- a specific engagement where I'm representing a specific party. Understand. And what you're, re- what you're referring to is more the power of the network and uh, you know the 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 need for the members to respond to market conditions somewhat separate you know the legal part of it you know we're certainly here to help and do the negotiations and point out the issues that are of concern but you know that leverage issue is a function of a number of different things right and uh, you know, what, what the market and what the, uh, members are thinking is important and yeah. should be communicated. But Rob, I, 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 I hear what you're saying and, and I'm, and I'm not trying to, to stoke these fires, but I, I am saying that I think the vendors may not understand how much resistance is mounting to these tactics. And I'm, I'm also saying that if the vendors took a little time Listen to this podcast, replay it a few times, send it to their legal counsel, paid attention to the words that, that, that you said, Rob, and made some of those subtle changes in their agreements with these MSPs, 
it might actually generate some goodwill and and help them close more business because right now I'm seeing the MSPs starting to wake up and say, you know what, I don't really feel like signing this agreement because it doesn't feel right. It's not equitable, and and that's all I'm seeing. So the next question becomes, okay, so I'm not going to sign it. Now what? I I need an alternative. You need an alternative. Um, what does the alternative uh, agreement? agreement looks like you you go to the other big three and they have the same exact agreement most likely <clears throat> which doesn't help you and then you go to the secondary and maybe the tertiary markets and start looking at their tools Charlie, it would be interesting exercise for us to look at the big three and compare them i'm not so sure you're right that they're all identical you think there could be I big bet, differences I, I would bet you all the adult beverages that you could drink in one evening at the ranch house <laughs> and I'll pay for your ticket to get there. Um, that they're not all three identical. All right. So, or four. you know, you just mentioned the other three. I'm saying <clears throat> if we took four big RMM vendor contracts and created a grid of the important terms, uh, it would be interesting to see how they line up. I'm going to uh, get one of my legal beagles to, to jump on that, and I'll share the results with you, and we'll, we'll discuss it. Cause, uh, because at the end of the day, you know, people hate Oracle, too, and they hate IBM, and they hate all the big companies. Yeah. But they stay. Why? The product's because good. The, the product is entrenched. It may not even be good. But it's there. Fair it's enough. <laughs> very expensive to replace, and, and so you know that you know software companies are not necessarily measured on you know how liked they are by their cu customers. In fact, you know, in some ways, software companies are becoming more like util utilities. You know, how many people like the customer service at at the phone company or the utility company? Good point. So um, I think for us to expect that, you know, software vendors and even those with service enablement tools are going to act as good corporate citizens and provide, you know, what we would now consider old school customer support. I'm not so sure that's the right way to be thinking about their role. Well, you could be right, and I would I would certainly love to see the results of of that comparison of the of the you know three or four different you know kind of platform vendor contracts, and maybe we'll do a future MSP Zone episode on that. Um, but but just to tidy up and and summarize today's uh, kind of concept, um, I would suggest, and I th I think Rob's advice bears this out, which is. You, the MSP, do have recourse. You do have leverage, and and I would recommend that you use it. And it doesn't mean that you have to, um, yeah, be be radicalized in terms of how you you know approach and negotiate with your vendors. But I think that the more of you who start to say, wait, hold on, I'm not just going to rubber stamp this and sign this agreement like I always have, and you start to dig into those terms that Rob highlighted, I think that that's going to be good for you and it's going to be good for your customer and you're going to avoid potentially a lot of problems down the road.
that's my that's my takeaway. Rob, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that. I think you summarized it great. I mean, that's really what we're trying to say is that you, you may have more wiggle room than you think. And either way, you've got to get down and under, understand, you know, how you're protecting your customer. Very well said. Yeah. So um, hope this helps everyone. Uh, if you have maybe some stories to share with us, love to have uh, you on with Rob and myself uh, on a future MSP Zone um, episode, send an email to mspzone at mspalliance.com. Until then, uh, Rob, stay safe and uh, good luck with your supply chain problems as Texas uh, opens. And uh, to all of you out there. You know, you know, I'm, a ma- I'm a made man down here, Charlie, so I don't worry about supply. <laughs> Well said. For the rest of you, uh, stay safe. And until next time, this is Charles Weaver with the MSP Zone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.